everyone. Welcome to the Studio Podcast. First of all, just want to say thanks for listening. We are excited to get this podcast up and running. If you are new to Studio, we are a church in Greenville, South Carolina. Our heart is to create a place where God and people meet so beautiful things can happen and beautiful things are created. Thanks for listening. And with that, let's get right to it. Well, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different than, um, than a normal gathering. We're going we're gonna to have a conversation tonight around uh, a really important uh, topic for us as studio, and it's something that we feel is really deeply important to God. And so we're going to have a conversation with Tanasha, Candace, and I, and we're going to talk about something in regards to, <clears throat> for those of you that have, are new to studio, I guess everybody's new because we're only six weeks old. <laughs> But if this is your first time tonight, um, there's a phrase that we have in our vernacular, in our culture, in our language, and it has to do with being a multidimensional community. And this, that, that word was um, thought about a lot. And it's really around the idea of how to, our, one of our dreams for studio in regards to what we want to build and what we want to create and cultivate in this culture is the idea of a multicultural, multi-ethnic, and multi-generational environment. And that's something that we feel is really deeply important into the heart of God. And so tonight we wanna to talk a little about our journey and just in regards to multi-ethnic and multicultural and just some things because this is, this is something as we are pouring the cement, if you will, on the foundation of this house, we wanted to make sure this was one of those blocks that we put right in our foundation from the get-go. And because this is something that the three of us, and it's not just the three of us, a bunch of people in this room and on our team, something that we've been leaning into for a number of years. And so we thought just right out the gate, let's create a meaningful conversation and just kind of paint a picture of what we see in the future. This whole series is future ready. And we see a beautiful, bright future. And we have, I think, one of the most incredible opportunities at the church to create this kind of culture where we celebrate, we acknowledge, and we're doing life with people of all, all kinds of cultures, all types of ethnicities, and all kinds of different generations involved. And so I want to read you a couple passages of scripture that are just really important to the framing of what, we, what we're talking about tonight. So let's start in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It's on the screen behind you. And let's read it together. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. The beautiful passage of what it's gonna look like and what's on the heart of God. Now let's jump down to Ephesians chapter three, or jump back, if you will, in the Bible, to Ephesians chapter three, verse nine and 10. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And the title of tonight's talk is The Fellowship of the Mystery, not The Fellowship of the Rings. Oh, that's a great movie, great trilogy. This is The Fellowship of the Mystery. 
And what's beautiful about that phrase, just reading that in Ephesians and the New King James translation, I love that phrase because what Paul is trying to communicate, he's writing to a church in Ephesus, which is the book of Ephesians. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here. But he said the mystery had been revealed, and it's this. When Jesus died on the cross, he went to the grave, and then when he rose from the grave and went back to be seated by his father, the right hand of his father, the fellowship of the mystery is this, that all Jews and all Gentiles come together to create one body. That's the fellowship of the mystery. And so tonight, we want to just take some time together and just begin to talk about that. Yeah, this is really exciting to us because I can feel the heartbeat of God even in us talking about this. Just that he, he desires for us to not only value one another, but to love one another. And to do that, we have to lean in. So that's kind of what we're doing tonight is just sharing a little bit about our journey of leaning in and learning to love. And so what we're going to do, we're going to start with at what point did this kind of conversation around ethnicity and culture it's when did it kind of become more real to the point where like, I gotta, I'm now leaning into this. I'm gonna give my life to this and put some skin in the game. And so let's start with Candace. At what point uh, was it for you where this just kind of became something you need to give yourself to? Yeah, cultures and just different ways of living have always been super intriguing to me from just a young child to different experiences. But, um, 2014 was a real pivotal moment in my story, but what was happening in the nation, I believe that that was Ferguson happened then. And so I'm at Bethel and leading, helping pastor the church as well. But um, we have lots of different cultures there because people are moving from all over the world and country to be a part of Bethel. And the thing about um, Reading is it's primarily white. It's not very diverse ethnically, but our church was becoming more and more diverse because people were coming to move to the school of ministry or to be a part of the church, which was so exciting to me because I, I love all of it. I love all the, the colors, spices, flavors. It was just making everything really beautiful. Um, but we had one of our uh, pastors on my volunteer team. She was this beautiful black woman who'd become a friend. And um, we were talking. She said, I need to meet with you, Candace. So we sat down and she just said, I, I know you, I know your heart, but I just letting you, um, I need to tell you that our black community here are in so much pain because you haven't reached out to them. I said, they're in pain because I didn't reach out to them. What do they want me to reach out to them about? And she said, with all the shootings, there's so much pain and they, they are not sure, they're not, they don't understand why you wouldn't ask them how, you're, how they're doing or checking in on them. And I just said, oh my gosh, did they know the person that was shot? And um, she said, no, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's, there's so much history and there's so much fear and pain around this whole um, scenario with, uh, with black people being mistreated and, and, um, and then being shot by the police where people are supposed to protect you. She said, there's, just, there, there's a lot of stuff going on in our community. And I was just dumbfounded, first of all, because I love our community and I love our people, but I just, my eyes got opened up to something that I didn't even know that I needed to step in to love better because I didn't know. And she was so kind. She goes, I, I know that's not your heart. That's why I just wanted to let you know. I said, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, first of all, and to give me just the grace to hear what's going on. And it began this journey for me of realizing what does it actually look like 
to be loving to my family. Because if my family's hurting, then I'm hurting and something's not okay. So it did require something of me, but I didn't even know it until she actually spoke up. So I was super thankful, but that's probably where my journey began. And so I just also wanna say, as we continue talking, my prayer is that our hearts would just be really tender and that God would give us his heart, that his heart for us and for each other. So my, I hope that more than anything tonight, as we're sharing, that you just feel the heartbeat of God. Tanasha, how about you? What would kind of, uh, I mean, I love your childhood stories and just tell us a little bit about how come this is really important to you and how did that all start? I blame my parents, uh, Nathan and Tina Williams in Oklahoma City. Do you see me? I will see you soon. Um, no, I, I blame my parents because my, my mom and my dad, they groomed me and my brothers in a journey of pilgrimages and every summer they would take us uh, to vacations is what my mother tried to convince us they were. Field trips is what you would have called them if you were in school trying to take kids to all these historical sites, right? So we were like, mom, this is a field trip. So every summer though, we were going on these incredible journeys that I since have learned are really pilgrimages where we learned who we were. We learned our people's journey in this land. And my mom once said that she felt arrested by God to make sure that we knew who we were in God and who we were as a people. And I remember as a little kid, like going to plantations and abolitionist homes, standing in underground railroad sites and civil rights locations and places where some really traumatic things have happened, but also places where great victory has happened. And I quickly learned like, oh, we are a resilient people. I'm cut from this cloth. Um, and, and then when I was in college, um, I actually won Miss Black Oklahoma. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I roll my eyes. Eric knows why I roll my eyes. I don't like talking about it. I get it, in but... trouble every time I tell somebody about it. But I think it's the coolest fact about her. It's a fact. I wouldn't call it a fun fact. No, I'm playing. <laughs> we should have had a, we should pl- had a photo. We should have had a photo. <laughs> We, we will not, but the only, I'm, I'm proud of it because I'm proud of where I came from in the journey, but I'll be honest, y'all, I, 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 I get squirmish because I don't like pageants, you know, but anyways, this pageant was very unique because Clara Looper was the founder of this pageant. She was the mother of the civil rights movement in Oklahoma City, in, in the state of Oklahoma, actually, um, and many revere her as one of the mothers of the civil rights movement in the United States, led one of the first ever successful sit-ins in the nation in 1958 with youth. And, um, and she was the founder of this pageant. She started it because a lot of black people were not allowed to be in Miss Oklahoma pageant. And so she used it as also a mentorship program to teach young black people who they were and to uh, show them what, what etiquette looked like and what, what um, resilience looked like and what self-determination looked like. And so I got to be underneath her tutelage for three years and heard so many stories about the civil rights movement and about the price they paid. And, and it felt very holy and sacred. And after Miss um, Looper had passed away, her daughter, Marilyn, um, we were at a planning meeting for, for one of the um, sit-in celebrations, like the anniversary celebration. And she turns to me because I was actually the, the youngest person there. Everyone else there was in their 60s and up. And she said, Tanasha, if you don't take this, this will not go on. You must carry this on. You must take what's in this room and you must carry it on. And it profoundly hit me 
And, uh, and I realized there's something on this side that I must carry on. But when I was at Bethel, it, it's also switched because I entered into a new, a new phase of it where God was going, I want you to also understand this side over here. And then I started growing in, in deeper friendships and community with the white community. And, and the Lord started really opening up a calling in my heart to help heal the, the brokenness between the black and the white brother in this land. And we got to go on a really cool journey at Bethel that we'll talk a little bit more about. Um, but that's when it became radically important to me for my upbringing, but then also crashing into God and really wanting to see the wound healed. That's cool. God is so good and so kind to us who he partners us with. And even just seeing what's on your life and how important those marking moments were. And then the fact that we got to be together even in the last part of this journey and then stepping into the future. I tell you, God is so good and so kind. Yep. In, 2000, in 2015, for me, uh, the Baltimore shooting, I believe, had just happened, if I have my timelines correct. And Candace and I got invited to be a part of a leadership kind of a summit with 12 different leaders down in Carmel, California, to one of the most beautiful parts of California. And we were down there, and they were, uh, it was kind of an eclectic group of people. We had a couple hip-hop artists, uh, a banker from the UK. We had, um, we had some pastors, Candace and I. We had two people that were CEO of a woman's brand and a men's brand with magazines. So just kind of this unique group of people. And the whole idea was just to bring us together and just have a talk about what God's doing and what's happening in our life. Well, the two hip-hop artists that came with Propaganda and Triple E. And they were both there, and um, it, was, it was actually really cool. And the Baltimore shooting had just happened, and the whole weekend wasn't really around this conversation, but when it came time for them to talk, it would, everybody would just kind of, this whole Baltimore thing was just like, it was just intense. And so Propaganda began to share, he's a hip-hop artist, he began to share about, he used a phrase that was incredibly helpful. He said, what, um, what you, many don't understand is my people, my community, we have what's called a long memory. So what happened 400 years ago affects us today. And he began to unpack this whole idea. And he said, when I walk into a room and, I, and I'm looking for another black person, and when we look at each other, I've never met them before, but I look across the room and we just nod at each other because we are connected because of memories of 400 years of their experiences. And it was one of the most informational, and I just, Candace and I drove home from that, we're like, okay, we, we can no longer ignore this or act like it's not happening or not engage with it. So I got home and I called up the same, the same lady that Candace mentioned, her name is Amanda. And I said, Amanda, I need a meeting with you. Um, I need to talk. And so she sat in my office and I, I looked her in the eyes and I said, I am terrified of being called a racist. So I have chosen to not engage with this conversation at all. And I don't want to do that anymore. And she looked at me, she said, Eric, you're not racist. You might be ignorant, but you're not racist. And I said, well, I can live with ignorance. I can, that, that, that's a little bit easier to chew on. But that was kind of the moment for me was that, okay, it's time to lean in and to put aside different ideals and different worldviews that are keeping me from not engaging with this conversation. So that for me was in 2015, in May of 2015, of just going, okay, I'm gonna have to learn to ask questions and to engage. 
and to ask you to learn about something that I really don't understand. And frankly, it's easier to just try to ignore, but we can't do that anymore. And so that's kind of where it began for me is that. So now let's talk a little bit about since then, how have we journeyed through that? What are some things that have happened along the way that have been helpful, that have helped to uh, understand what's happening? Yeah, we knew we couldn't stay where we were once our eyes were open to how much hurt and pain there was for our brothers and sisters. That means there's an issue even for us as well. And so we just started being more intentional, saying we just we need to listen. Can we ask you questions? Can we get together? So as pastors of the church, we have this whole platform and the stage and with our black, the leaders in our black community, we were meeting with them and I just said, please understand my heart. It's, it's so important for us to live this out before we try to teach or lead someone else in it. So I know we could use that stage right now, but can we please just keep this in the back room and just have conversations and learn and, um, and really get to a place of healing with us first. And so that's what we did in the first couple years responding um, to everything that we just learned. And, and they were so gracious and kind to let us be able to ask questions. I know some of my questions were dumb and I should know better, but um, I got to ask a lot of questions, learn. So it was a lot of listening, um, starting to read more things uh, and just learn a little bit more about where did this pain all start and what is being revealed in our nation? Because it's, it's still happening. I saw a post in and one of our, I think it was GVL Today or Greenville was on, was a post about our mayor when he was in high school in black history, they're celebrated, um, part of it, they used his story and experience as a white boy in high school about his friends being moved to different schools and stuff. And they retracted it later because during black history, they felt, or they realized it was kind of tone deaf to focus on a white person's experience in the middle of integration of schools and stuff, why we're celebrating black history. Do you get that? I mean, it's just, so I, I saw that take place this week in our social media in Greenville. And so I'm like, I just want to read the post. I'm just curious. This is a new land for me, new people. What are people saying? And it's the same pain. There's so much pain with this, with our relationship and the history that still needs to be righted. And so we get to be a part of that. And it's just good to know. So if you think that this is not an issue, then just look at social media. Just look at, like, it really, it really is. We do have a lot long way to go, but we've been on this journey. We will continue on this journey because we got to figure this out. Like this is the heart of God that we would love each other and that we would be willing to draw near to each other. And so we started just having more intentional conversations and um, dialogues and learning and hearing stories. Like what is your experience? Because we don't all know everything. And just because I have an experience doesn't mean that you have the same experience that I have. Whether I'm a white woman, a white man, a black woman, black man, Asian, Latino, I mean, we all have different experiences and would we be willing to listen and learn from each other? So that's what we began to do. One of my favorite things is a few years down the road, Tanasha, she goes to the, she's in the school of ministry probably at the same time, but she's in third year and we get connected and she is just such a brilliant, talented lady and what she has marked her life we start talking and she has it in her heart to do what could we ever do like a black history celebration? I'm like, I think that would be brilliant because we want to educate ourselves. That's part of learning and growing is just getting educated. And so, and she um, has done a lot of productions and stuff. So we do a black history 
celebration. It was beautiful. It was educational. I thought, I thought it was such a win for us in Reading, being predominantly white, having not as much experience uh, with different cultures, ethnicities, specifically even the black history. So I was super thankful. The second time around, or one, we did a gospel celebration. So she went through and went through the history of music and gospel and in, integrated different educational pieces of black history. It was so beautiful. And Reva led a gospel choir. And so there was, it was gorgeous and dynamic. And so that was throughout the piece. At the end, we just worshiped together in gospel. It was so intense. It was so beautiful. It just kept going. We couldn't stop it. No one wanted to stop. I think their voices were getting hoarse at the end. And, but it was dynamic. And all I could say, the words that were in my mind at the end of the night is, I feel more whole. Like I got to experience more of God tonight by giving them, giving value and place to another culture, to another sound on our stage. Because at Bethel, we have Bethel music. It is a very unique sound and it is beautiful, but it is one. You know, like, so we got to come in and, and bring in gospel music. It was so gorgeous. I feel like I experienced more of God and I was so thankful, but we get we get the opportunity when we draw near to each other and we honor and value each other because we each carry different parts of God because we are, we are all created in his image. So that was a beautiful moment for me. That was, that was a mutually beautiful moment for me as well. I learned a lot even just putting those productions on. And it, the scripture that comes to mind with that is uh, the verse that says, every member makes up the full body of Christ. And when you honor each member, you get to experience the beauty of what the arm brings and what the leg yeah. brings. And it ends up being like this beautiful potluck that unless we bring our own dish to the table, we're not going to enjoy the feast. And that fullness that you felt that night, it was like, oh, I think we just got an extra little, extra little dish to the table. Uh, and it was fun bringing it too. I was thinking a little bit about my journey after I was sort of shaped, molded as a child and, and journeyed through, I would write a lot of poetry um, and process a lot of things. And then a few years later, I remember sitting in the Bonnie Bray Street house, actually, um, praying about what God was going to do next and some things that had been transforming my life. I kind of shared a little bit in, the, in my message on sonship. Um, and it was shortly after I had that moment with God where he healed my knees. And I'm praying in this house that was known for where the Azusa Street Revival first broke out, um, led by William Seymour, a black man in uh, segregation. And so I'm sitting in, in this house praying, and I hear the Lord say, go get equipped for the coming revival. I'm like, whoa. And I look around like, where are they doing this at? And the only place <laughs> I could really find that wasn't just doing like a little taste here and a little taste there was Bethel. So I go up to do the ministry school, and I'm thinking that I'm going on a journey there to learn about things of the supernatural, miracles, signs, and wonders. And I got, had another thing coming. God was like, no, I want you to heal and the next part of the journey for me was actually not just dealing with the beautiful victories of being in the black American story, but I had to deal with the wounds. He was like, I want you to bring all that stuff to me. All those places where you struggle with trusting white people, all those places where you're feeling that ache still and, and you're angry because there's still injustice here and still injustice in the educational realm or you were just called an N-word here and all these different things that I'd been experiencing. And he said, I want you to sit with me and you're going to heal. 
And it took me about two and a half years of just like, okay, let's do it. And then like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, let's do it. Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. It was like back and forth with God. And about around the time where I had um, started connecting with Candace was when I was beginning to feel the other side of it. And the Lord had been talking to me as well about the mantle of Dr. King. And my eyes were becoming more awakened to what does he want to continue? Because I'm continuing a story. So what does he want to continue? And there's some beautiful things that I know Dr. King ushered in and others like him, but there's some more to be written. Um, and that's kind of how I journeyed with it since then. And even like a, a celebration of gospel, or actually I'll say this one quick testimony about the first one, which was Walk With Me, Lord. I had done productions in, in my past for, I mean, for years, that's my area of expertise, but I had never done one in a predominantly white setting sharing the African-American story. And so I'm like, well, you know, I love storytelling. So let's do some poetry and some songs and some dance. We'll weave in all these things to kind of take people on a journey. And then at the end of it, we kind of had a time of prayer. People were coming down and weeping. They, their hearts were raw and open. People were repenting or people were feeling the sorrow and the ache. They were lamenting. They were being embraced in prayer. And I'm like, what just happened? What I did not realize I had done or had, me and the team had done is we had set up a moment for them to enter into the story. A Christ incarnation moment happened where Christ himself, he actually left the, the div divine story, fully God, fully man, but he entered into the human story to heal it. And as, as he is, so are we. And so here he is, the, this God of the cosmos entering into the human story. I feel the invitation for us to enter into each other's stories. For us to do as God does in order to heal these stories, we must know the stories. Yeah. In order to really know the stories, you have to be willing to get up there close to it. And for many people, they didn't have that vehicle to enter into the story. And once they did, yeah. they found God in it. They found their brother and sister in it. They yeah. found the current ache in the land, but also the hope for the future in it. Yeah. And so Christ incarnation work is, is also this piece that I'm holding on to to kind of help the body of Christ step into more of as we heal not just the, even the black American story, but I mean indigenous and the Mexican, yeah. Latinos, and so many people groups that experience ache. Um, we need that particular component. So beautiful, thanks for sharing that. Another part that I'd love to talk about is how do we as followers of Christ respond as cultures, you know, as we're seeing culture respond, how do we respond? Yeah, part of the opportunity that we have is we have the opportunity to create a different culture. Like this group right here, this, this church, this family right here, we have the opportunity to come up with a different way of responding to what's happening. And the reason why this is a quote unquote sensitive topic is because culture has been teaching us how to interact and respond. And the reason why we're having this conversation right out the gate is we want to invite all of us into a journey of responding differently and creating a different culture around this conversation. And it's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some heart work, some soul work, some mind work. But I'm telling you, um, for I can only speak for the last six, seven years, I'm a much better person. My life is richer and deeper because of the work that I've chosen to do. And I have so much more to do. But I, we really want this to be an invitation. And so if you're, if you're in a, oh my God, this is so sensitive, it's because culture has been leading the conversation and it's, it's not working great. So we have an, I'm telling we have such an opportunity right now to create a different culture and to come up with a different response. 
And the whole idea of the multidimensional concept really comes from the premier example from the man himself, Jesus Christ. Jesus, what he, was, what he could do, he was able to interface and interact with the most affluent in society. He was able to interact and to interface with the most poor in society. But not only that, he was able to interact and interface with everyone from the left all the way to the right. And what culture teaches us now is you should only interact with one group. And Jesus was not putting up with that, especially in his day. So the whole concept of the multidimensional concept comes from the life of Jesus. And the book of Ephesians is one of the premier examples of what's possible. This wasn't just a letter written to a church in Ephesus. It actually was commending them for actually doing it. And that's what's beautiful about the church of Ephesus. It was a major port city. If you want to geek out tonight after the service, go study Ephesus. Go get on Wikipedia or any of the Bible website, anything of that nature. Ephesus was a major port city. Tons of diversity, tons of ethnicity, languages, and culture. And what's interesting, there's actually some similarities to the city of Greenville, what's happening right now on a different scale. But like, oh my, the nations are showing up here. Cultures are showing up here. So we actually have an opportunity to do what the church in Ephesus did. And so Paul is writing this letter to them saying, you guys are doing a beautiful job. This is actually the mystery that has now been revealed to actually come together, all Gentiles, all Jews, to come together and create one body. So a lot of the amazing passages we love in the book of Ephesians is actually centered around the idea of Jesus bringing his body back together, all nations, all tribes, and all tongues. There's actually three themes in the book of Ephesians that I want to just share with you. The first main theme is Christ has reconciled all creation unto himself and to God. The second theme is Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another within the church. The third one is Christians must live as new people. And so as we engage as a family, creating a new culture and a new response, I want you guys to not think about what it's been like, but think about we're going somewhere new together. We're gonna to create a new norm, we're gonna we're gonna create new, yeah, new norms, new customs, new routines around this conversation. And that's really what's in our heart to do. Yeah, that's good. There's so much tension in culture right now, and it has been so dominating, but I, there's, it, it's a great scripture, and I don't want it to be cliche. I want us to believe it. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world, and we are the ministers of reconciliation. The ministers of reconciliation. Like he has entrusted us with this, and when I put on those particular lenses, because oftentimes when we're looking at culture, we're, we're putting on a lens of like, what's right, what's wrong? We're putting on a lens of like, uh, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? But what if we did away with all those lenses and put on a lens of ministry of reconciliation? Like that I actually look at everything through that particular lens and go, so what part is he reconciling to himself? How can I get my hands in that reconciliation? Because scripture in Colossians, it says reconciling all things to himself. So not just human souls. He's reconciling all things to himself. And what's happening in culture right now, we have the tares and the wheat coming up together. And it's wanting to pull us into duality. It's wanting to pull us into this like, you know, polar, polar I don't know why he keeps doing this. 
it wants to pull us into a polarized sort of point of view. But if we look the lens of the, as being ministers of reconciliation, then we're gonna be thinking, not which side, how do I be a bridge? How do I be the bridge in this particular moment? Um, and, and this requires us to look for what God is doing. Because even in the midst of all this craziness, there's a lot of wheat actually happening. I'm seeing the land being cleansed. I'm seeing people leaning in that have never chosen to lean in before. I'm seeing people even look at their parents going, why haven't we focused on this? And they're getting brave and they're leaning in. The people in, that lived in the 60s, many of them never saw that kind of fruit. We are. I say we should celebrate it. There's so many incredible things that are happening in communities that are receiving help and care that have been overlooked for generations. And if we're only looking for who's right, who's wrong, we miss the fingerprint of God. And that's our, I would say, a nugget for how our response, how we should lean into when we're looking at culture. Don't look for the tornado in culture because you're going to find the tornado if you look for the tornado. Look for the wheat. And look for it through the lens of being a minister of reconciliation because we get to bridge this thing. We get to be the bond of peace in these moments. Powerful charge right there. So as we are wrapping up, we want to make sure to leave you with some next steps. What does it look like to step into the future and create a multidimensional community? So we have three things. The first one would be drawing near, like being in proximity relationally to each other. To do that, we really need to get the heart of God and the value for humanity to be able to even step into that. So that's first thing. Um, and then drawing closer, when we're in close proximity to each other, stuff, it just almost becomes, it's, there's so much more grace. Because when you're close enough to um, be near someone, you get to know their story. You get to see a little bit more about their lives. When there's distance, there's room for judgment. There's room to dismiss their story or to overlook their story. But when you're close enough, it's easier to have compassion because you know them, you see their face, you feel, you can feel their heart and feel them. And so that's one of the things that I think we get the opportunity to, and I feel an invitation to, is drawing close to each other. Like specifically, not just each other, but being intentional. Like how many friends do I have that come from a different background than I have? You know, or even look differently than me because when I'm trying to understand some of the issues that are relating to or maybe that they're going through, if I don't even have any types of relationships with um, people that are walking through that, that's a lot for me to try and understand with no, con with no relational um, experiences. So proximity, I think, is going to be such a helpful thing for us as we move forward in wanting to build a multidimensional community. That's good. And then to add on to that, uh, go on a journey and specifically a journey of learning. So that kind of Christ incarnation work, be willing to enter into other ethnicities and their stories. Um, not just the food. Now I'm going to enter into the food. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But also their journeys. Look for the fingerprint of God in their stories. Um, and, and there might be pain there, but there's also some beautiful glory there. Parts that you'll be like, wow, that, that actually feels like God and it reminds me of, and you'll start thinking of scriptures or expressions of God in the Bible. Um, but also, go on a journey of learning your story because we want to build multidimensional community, which means it requires reciprocity. If I 
come with my story. I also want to know yours. Now, many of us are in a situation where we may not have been told our story. Most people have not had an upbringing like I had, and, and I recognize that. I do believe there's a grace for this hour where God is even increasing in the land ancestry tests, right? My goodness, like all this stuff around DNA. Go on a journey of learning your story. I like to tell some of my friends who their bloodlines may have given up a lot of their heritage. I say, don't you want your stuff? Go get your stuff. Because in your story is your inheritance. In your story is going to be all the spiritual, beautiful things that God has passed down generation upon generation. How are you going to steward if you, if you don't know it exists? How are you going to continue that story if you don't know what's there? And there might be some brokenness. You might also bump up against some things that you don't like. But guess what? It's the divine invitation to be able to say, with me, this story will be healed. I'm not going to pass this on to the next generation. But if we don't know what's in the story from before, oops, we end up writing things in this chapter right now that were redundant from back then. We need to know what's back then so we can be honorable to the story right now. We can be great stewards of this story. So enter into each other's, but also enter into your own. So when it's time to have that potluck, your dish tastes real good, okay? Amen, that's it, that was it. You could tell I'm hungry. <laughs> and so owning your own story, you know, my family, um, I have a lot of Norwegian and a lot of Swedish in my family. And my dad's mom to my grandma, she's 100% Norwegian. She's been telling us that her entire life. And now all the DNA tests that you can get, she did it and it confirmed it. She's 100% Norwegian. Like it's a major pride point for her. So I have a lot of Norwegian in me. And I went to my first, I went to Norway my first time. This is probably, I don't know, 12, 13, maybe 15 years ago. It was a while ago. And I wasn't expecting to experience what I experienced, but I got in the country, I was there for nine days, I think it was three or four different cities. And the whole trip, I'm like, everything makes sense. <laughs> I, I get this, like, I get how people think and talk, and I mean, they're different custom, but it was like the same wavelength. And I'm walking around the country, like everything is designed the way I would like to design it. I mean, it, was, it literally was like, oh, I found part of my story. I didn't, I was not planning on it. I was not expecting it, but it was such a great experience to go, oh, that's part of my story right there. I, I have that thing going on in me and that part of the expression of who God is in through my life and through my family. And so owning your own story, I want to encourage you, um, just, you know, find out what your story is because it's pretty fascinating when you find it. And uh, for me, it was a sense of like, oh, it now all makes sense. Like, I make sense to myself now. It was just a crazy experience. And so that's, um, that's the, one of the takeaways. The last takeaway that we want to encourage you and challenge you is, is in regards to, we want to encourage you all to read. There's a book that our entire leadership team is actually reading right now. Some of us have read it already, but we're really reading it again. It's this book right here. It's a phenomenal book. It's called One Blood. It's written by a man named John M. Perkins. And I would love Tanasha to put a 
book plug for it in right now. <laughs> yeah, John Perkins is one of my heroes. And uh, on the kind of creative installation that Shana's put together, you'll see a little bio about John Perkins. But he is a general in the faith. And this is his final book to the church on race. He was a civil rights leader. Um, and he was a man, uh, he was a minister of reconciliation, saved in, in, in uh, California, but moved back to the South to hit the hoods, to build clinics, to do after school programs, to just be the hands and feet of Jesus. And through proximity and through intentionality, he ended up getting gaining a lot of relational equity and applying the gospel in this particular area. He saw such great fruit that really transformed communities. And this book is a powerful um, foundational book and it, with biblical teaching on biblical reconciliation. Uh, he gets into the ache, he gets into the practicals, but he also paints like a very real picture. So it's not sugarcoating anything, but it's also drenched in so much hope for the glorious future that God is creating with us. So we highly recommend this book. Uh, it's something that we are kind of adopting as this, this kind of undercurrent of how we're moving forward with biblical reconciliation as a studio family. Yeah, we can't stress enough. This is the great, great place to start if, and even just a great book to read. And the last part of our challenge is we want to encourage you to go out to coffee or go to dinner with somebody with a different culture or different background or different ethnicity. Like take them out, get together and share stories. Like put the political stuff aside, put what culture is saying aside and close that gap between you and someone else with a different story. We believe there's no way to move forward in reconciliation unless we close the gaps relationally. And I believe that's why we have one of the greatest opportunities here at Studio is to create a new culture and a different way to respond to what's happening in our culture today. And so we're gonna close this time with prayer. So why don't we stand up? And as we're standing, we're gonna pray for two things right now. We're gonna pray for this whole conversation, but we're gonna pray first for Ukraine. Yes. Because the conflict in Ukraine, we wanted to take some time um, in regards to that. I know it's on everybody's minds and hearts right now. And so let's just take a moment to pray for that situation, and then we'll pray as a family over, over the conversation we just had. So, Father, we just lift up Ukraine to you, the Ukrainian people to you. Father, we need a miracle. We need a breakthrough. We need everything to stop. And Father, I pray for protection over men and women and children in all the countries in Ukraine and all the countries surrounding Ukraine that's caught up in this conflict. And I pray whatever driving this thing, whatever is creating this thing that's not you would be silenced, would be ended. And I pray for um, another solution to this conflict. And I pray that you would stop it and we pray that you bring an end to it. And then I pray for families that are placed, Ukrainian families that are placed all over the world right now. I pray for incredible peace to rest on them as they're wondering about the welfare and the well-being of their family and friend and own countrymen and countrywomen. And we just pray for a special grace and protection over Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. And we also pray for the Russians as well, Father, that you'd be all over them as well. There's just so much conflict going on here. And we just pray for your grace and your peace to be on that. Yeah, Lord, and we thank you that you are one and that you, you're just your love for humanity, God. And I ask for just another measure of your love right now. Even all the words that were spoken in the conversations that are happening. Lord, we invite your love right into the middle of it. Right into the middle of our own stories as well, Lord. I pray that your love would go deeper, would go wider. Yes, Lord. Yeah, just in each one of us, Lord. 
Yeah, I thank you, Lord. I pray that your love is so great that it goes into our past, into our present, and our future. I invite just the power of your love into um, our stories, into just us being able to live together. And I pray that you would reconcile us to you and to each other. I pray for a love that brings unity, Lord, and that just provides grace and value for each other, Lord. So I just pray that as we move into the future, Lord, that you would knit our hearts together. God, that you would make our hearts tender and pliable and that you would shape us and form us into a beautiful bride that brings you glory. Yeah. I pray that you would give us your eyes as well for our brothers and sisters. God, that when we see each other, God, that we would see what you see, Lord. Yeah, I thank you for family. I thank you for uh, relationships that are going to form. And I just thank you for the beauty of, um, of your church, of your bride. And I just pray that you just receive all the glory, God. Yes. Yeah, as your church just becomes more whole. Mm-hmm. Yes, God. And we thank you that, that you are in the details, God. And we ask right now for divine wisdom and revelation for this hour that we live in. God, I pray for just a spirit of peace to wash over every single person that we would know that even in the thick of the conflict, in the thick of the craziness of this, that you're with us. You are Emmanuel. And God, I just ask that you would even bring a special grace for this journey, a grace to learn, a grace to listen, a grace to lean in, a grace to start over, a grace to engage, that, that we would feel the helper helping us. And I pray, God, that as we move towards the future together, that we would have heaven's vision in mind, that we would be agents, kingdom agents on this earth, bringing heaven to this earth, God, not our own ideas, not our own ideas of what culture looks like, but your idea of what oneness looks like. Lord God, with all the multiple flavors, not sameness, but oneness. And we ask God that you would do it in us and through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's talk. If you're interested in learning more about Studio here in Greenville, you can check out our website, studiogreenville.com. And you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is studio.greenville. Have a great week.